Welcome to The Fellowship. My name is Adam Hawk, joined as always by the CEO and founder of Nation Golf, my best friend, my worst enemy, my staunch supporter, and my most prolific critic, Ryan Engel. Wait for it, guys. Perfect. I love how you mic'd up the beer, but not yourself when you said wait for well, it. Well, I'm sure they got a little like background dose of it. Sure. Adam, don't don't tell me how to do this. I'd like to get a foreground dose of some WD-40 on that damn office chair you sit in for this. Wow, I'm surprised you even know what WD-40 is. I would pay to watch you try to open a canister and use it. <laughs> well, let's start right there because there's some construction going on here right at Nation Golf. Yeah, big update, guys. We got the floor up. Well, we as in a company, once again, company's on my back. But hey, the kid was born with big shoulders. He can handle it. The royal we. You're now talking in third person, addressing yourself as a municipality. It was you and only you that got down on your hands and knees with a four-inch razor, scraped up 200 square feet of concrete, 25 years of multi-layered glue. You've got the scars to prove it. Your whole yeah. left arm is covered in a rash that I can only assume is from the adhesive removal flying back onto your body while you accomplish this amazing feat of removing the carpet. How are you feeling right now? What are the scars like? I don't think it's a rash. I think it's just acid burn, <laughs> which is probably better because it's just like some shrapnel sores that will heal. I think a rash is more like a you know itchy, spready kind of thing. This is just like chemicals hit me in a certain spot and now I have like boils on my arm. So I'm feeling really good about it. <laughs> the carpet is up. We've got concrete. The showroom is currently being remodeled down here in San Clemente, California. We are excited to show everybody the finished product, but we're not there yet. This morning, you just showed up with some concrete sealer and a paint roller. You've been at it. You told me you've never sealed concrete before, but there's a fresh coat of concrete sealer on our showroom floor. How's the process going so far? Do you feel confident that you're doing it the correct way? Yeah, I think it's good to go. I think one more layer of that, let it dry overnight, and then I can start with some lumber and some carpentry and start building out the walls. Kills me to pay you a compliment, but I'm pretty impressed that you're doing all this by yourself. I cannot believe the progress that you've made so far. And I know that this is an audio medium and not a visual one, but just imagine this carpeted 200 square feet area that wasn't much to look at. Ryan walks out and goes, let's redo this place. And I'm thinking, well, we don't have money. Who are we going to call? And then you just go at it. And now we've got a blank slate, but that blank slate took a lot of work. You think it's going to be worth it in the end? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for expounding upon that idea. Oh, you're welcome. I'm more action guy, you know, so when it's done, show you some pictures. Very good. Staying on the subject of the Nation Golf Company, we are running a sale right now. Fourth of July visors on the website, $20 a pop. And guess who reached deep into their multi-million dollar pockets and picked up a made in the USA high crown smoking Tom tour visor at 50% off. That's right. Cashmere, Keith, McKendry, Mitchell. We got an order from Cashmere, Keith. We know it's him. We know it's him because of the city that it's going to. We're not going to dox the guy, but we do know that Keith Mitchell ordered a visor from us. We also know that Keith Mitchell has had his eyes on our visor for a long time. He's one of the few visor guys on tour. So there's a visor from Nation headed his way. But like every golfer on tour, all the apparel they wear is sponsored. So what do you think this guy wants with a Nation visor? And before you answer that, make sure you do not implicate anyone in your thoughts on why you think Keith Mitchell wants a Nation tour visor. So here's the thing. 
I love what he's doing style wise. He's he's definitely found a calling of inspiration in his look and and how he's doing things. I don't like the fact that maybe it's not all him, but there is a credit going his way as like this style guy and stuff. And it's like, he's a born again style guy. Cause you can, you know, with your own two thumbs, go on his page and scroll down just a little bit. And you see him in a get up where you squint your eyes and he looks like a Cameron champ. He's got like baggy dry fit on a big bro Nike hat, some like poly trash bag polo. So you're like, okay, so this is a new look for him, which is cool. I would like to personally and formally welcome him to the classic side of things. I don't like that he's getting all the credit as the ringleader. He's he's a new guest in the, in the space, so I'd like to welcome him aboard. I love what he's doing with it. I think it's one of two things, Hawk, to get back to your question. I think that it's his true love affair with the tour visor, and he can clearly see that ours is better than the ones that he's wearing. So it's either he's a fan of them and wanted one genuinely and is stoked on it, which would be really cool. Or him and his sponsors are uh, going through a little reverse engineering process to make his tour visors up to our level. So we sent him a light, nice note. If you do enjoy this, thanks a lot. We'd love to figure a way to work with you. If not, shame on you for taking scissors to this thing and dissecting it to reverse engineer it for your own sponsors to make it. Time will tell. We will see. I would love to see a photo of him in the uh, in the visor giving us a shout out. But at the very least, we got what? 28 bucks off of his ass. So it is what it is. We got $28 off of Cashmere Keith. And yes, as you alluded to, he currently has a tour visor sponsorship deal with Imperial Headwear. And there is this thought between you and I that if you are sponsored and it's lucrative, but you want our visor, buy one on sale, I might add, and send it to your guys. They can take a pair of scissors to it and figure out how it's made. I can't imagine. We were having, me and Gillis, we played in our Wednesday golf game yesterday at San Clemente Muni. We're having a little jaw jacking back and forth, a little horse hockey. A little horse hockey. You love it. The topic came up about cheap, rich guys. Nothing I hate more than a cheap, rich guy. I, like most poor people who work hard, I'm a big tipper. And it's funny how most poor people tip better than rich people in my experience. Maybe Uh, that's why they're poor. Yeah, maybe. But we appreciate the service where rich people kind of maybe more feel entitled to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a whole different topic of conversation. But we were talking about cheap, rich people. And isn't it funny to have a you know, multi-million dollar athlete go through the process of going on a company's website and liking a product enough, but then choosing the one that's half off. The Angel Tour Visor is a cool visor, don't get me wrong, but the Continental, the Eldorado, Arnie's Red, we have straight fire on that website as far as tour visors are concerned. And what, he didn't want to pick the fire one that was $15 more? (laughs) Hey, Have fun staring at your bank account all night and just watching your money, dude. (laughs) Knowing that it's $15 more because you waited for one on sale. All joking aside, I don't know if he's cheap or not. Just a fun thing to talk about. So, Keith, if you're listening, which you probably won't be, don't know if you're a cheap guy. Hope you aren't. Let me buy you a drink and tip the waiter. That would be nice. Judging by the watches and shoes and pants and sweaters he wears, I don't think he's a cheap, rich guy. 
I don't even know how he saw our stuff because I did some reverse engineering of my own. Ooh. He doesn't follow us on Instagram. I can almost bet my life that he is not a subscriber to our email marketing list. So I don't know how this crossed in front of his eyes when we put him on sale. But the day that we put our 4th of July visors on sale, he purchased one within a couple of minutes. So who knows? We'll be interested to find out what he thinks. As you said, we did include a note in it thanking him for the order and telling him we're open to anything. Just please don't cut this thing up and figure out how it's made because that would suck. You mentioned Matt Gillis. For those that don't know, Matt Gillis is a nation stalwart. He's a gentleman in his mid-50s, just a, a dapper looking man. He's, he's what I want to grow up to be. He's our great friend. He organizes the Wednesday Skins games at San Clemente Municipal Golf Course that you play in every week and have played in for a long time. We all know these people. They're the unsung heroes of golf. They keep the group together. They make sure that there's a tee time for everybody every single week. You don't really have to think. You just show up and you get to play. It's what we like to call in the business the glue guy. Mm. The glue guy doesn't get thanked enough, but Matt Gillis is definitely the glue guy. We call him the captain for a reason, Captain Gillis. Right. Now, you called me yesterday after your round and said, Gillis got a little banged up today in more ways than one. What happened yesterday to Gillis? He lost every bet bad. What's crazy is he's he's Mr. Bets, Mr. Gambler. He loves having a little cheese on the bread. There's so many side bets and so many little games going on within the skins thing that we're playing with the greater group that it, it's just wild. So there was stop you right there. Yeah. You have always been on record a guy that is against gambling, not because you're against gambling, but you're against the mood that it creates during golf. And you, you have said many times, yeah. how about I give you the money you want to play for just so we can enjoy ourselves. And have a good time. Yeah. And I am against that for the sake of the mood mostly. So it, it more has to do with the gamblers, what kind of guys they are and how they take it. Now between Jay, myself, Gillis and Geoff, who are usually in the premier group together, we're giggling and laughing in the first fairway. It, it's the group. So I kind of go more with the flow because the mood doesn't change. Now, the reason why I'm against gambling is ever since the Tiger Woods era, this narcissistic, super selfish jockey side of golf has kind of taken golf by storm. With that is the attitude. You don't want to be in some kind of match with a fist pumper that really wants that 50 bucks from you and he just changes the mood of your four hours away from your problems in your in your life that's where i'm just like hey bro can i give you 50 bucks so you can just fucking let your hair down and have a drink and not be such a stiff weird yelly kind of guy so that's where i'm against it but given the right guys and circumstances i, I think it's fun Yesterday was insane. We're playing the snake game, which it starts at five bucks, goes up a buck from there. So there's the three putt game going on. We're in the, the gross skins with, with everybody. Then we've got five dollar dots, six, six, and six between our group. We're all playing a match against each other too, separately. The scorecard looks like the King Games Bible. There's so much going on and it's it's hard to even understand the writing. Oh, and we have um, 16, 17, 18, $20 birdies. Long story short, Gillis lost everything. 
he lost everything. I think he had a $500 day yesterday. And I have a video of him at the ATM. We made it a big deal because Gillis is like a very unofficial six handicap because that's another topic of discussion. He doesn't post all of his scores. We'll get to that. He's just a gamer and he's a gambler and he shows up in the moment. He's, 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 an, he's an athlete. He doesn't lose often. He might lose here and there and, and he's always really good about paying. But I've never in the, I don't even know, 10 years I've been playing with him. I, I don't think I've ever seen him take this big of a bloodbath. It was a sight to be seen. One I'll never forget, Hawk. Well, clearly, because you have a video of it. And the only thing worse than going to an ATM to pull out cash is going to an ATM to pull out cash for someone else, going to an ATM that has a service charge on it, which I'm sure his did because he's not going to his bank. You guys are at the OC Tavern afterwards, close to the golf course. So he's paying to get his own money to give it to someone else. And he looks over his shoulder. And what do you know? His good friends are taking video of him, making the walk of shame. To the ATM. So he took a bath yesterday. $500 is a lot of money. You never want to go to the golf course and come up half a G light. That happened to the captain. But then you also said the Gillis Cup, which is a seasonal tournament where he seeds people against each other, the match handicap play. match play, the handicaps come into account. You have your first opening match of the Gillis Cup against Captain Gillis. Next week. And you believe that he is not playing under the correct index number. I don't know for certain if it's the correct index number. What I do know is that his posting is irregular at best. So whatever number is on there, it could be right. But what is wrong is the fact that he's not posting every round. This guy plays religiously twice a week, sometimes three times a week. And I think in March, he had two scores. April, he had two scores. One was a 92. And this is a guy who I play neck and neck with every week. So we get to the bar after he takes a bath and we're all talking shit because we're, you know, a little, little buzzed. So I, I, I pull up his little gin and I was just like, oh, nice. You have a, a 92. And an 83 posted in all of April. Pretty sure you played 15 times that month. You know, I hear stories of him going out on Sunday with the guys drunk and shooting a 70. I'm not seeing that on his uh, his his gin, his re recent scores. So I'm not going to call Gillis a sandbagger. That's an accusation. That's an accusation. I understand that he maybe isn't capable at times to post immediately. Now, why wouldn't he be capable? I would put Gillis up against anybody on planet Earth, drink for drink. I don't think anybody could drink Gillis under the table. I'm not saying he's a drunk or he has a problem. He's a big man and he's a pro. And he can handle booze like no one I've ever seen in my life. And by handle, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to get it going and stuff, but he's a happy drunk. It takes a lot to take that bear down. Oh, and we also played the bear game yesterday too. So there was the bear, the snake, the six, six, and six, the skins, the $20 birdie 18, and match play. And I kept the scorecard. I was, I was cross-eyed by the end of it. I bet. So you're cross-eyed and, and Gillis is $500 light. You're not accusing him of being a sandbagger or a drunk. You're just saying he's a sandbagging drunk. Yeah, exactly. Very good. So the first match between you and Matt Gillis is next week. Yep. And before we move on, you pronounce it gin. I go with gin. 
I want to know from the listeners, and you can email us, nationgolfco at gmail.com. Do you pronounce golf handicap index number, the acronym, do you pronounce it GIN or GIN? I say my GIN. GIN sounds like there's a Y in there. I think the H makes it an awkward pronunciation, kind of like garage. Currently, what is your GIN? Mine? Uh, 3.7. Nice. I am fighting like a dog. To what? Get back to scratch? I don't even care what my what my index is. When I play golf, I try to fight, scratch, and claw, and beat old man par. That's that's what I try to do. Not a big, like, streaky guy. I don't make a lot of birdies. I make a lot of pars. And so my internal battle, what I enjoy, is trying to, to beat old man par, you know? So I was a two for a long time. I was a, a zero for a very short amount of time. I was a two for a long time. Then Then I got to zero when I played good for a little bit. And then I was a two for a long time after that. And then I went to like a fucking 4.9, 5.2. And I've been just on the struggle bus trying to just get back down to, I think if I'm honest, I, I'm probably comfortable if I'm on my stuff. Like I'd like to be and stay in that little two range. I think that's where I should be. That's what I'm fighting to get back to, I guess. I like 70 here and there, 72 here and there, 74 if I play bad. I'd like to be like right in there, but like lately it's just 77, 78, 79 all the time. This story of having a regular Wednesday group with a gentleman that keeps a standing tea time is all the more reason for everyone listening out there to find a group like that or to join some kind of member club. And member clubs aren't always private. In fact, there are many, many public clubs that you can join. And the reason I say that is because there is a story picking up a lot of steam right now. The story has been out since 2020, but it's picking up steam because the national media has glommed onto it. We're not going to do a super investigative report on this, but it's interesting. The idea that and the evidence that bots, B-O-T-S, bots are now infiltrating the T-sheets for all of the golf courses, which is every single one of them that uses electronic booking systems. So when you go online to book a tee time, which is every single golf course, these tee times normally will open up seven days ahead of the tee time you're trying to book. Before COVID, a lot of folks would jump on like myself at 11.59, refresh the page when it went to midnight, a Sunday away from the Sunday that you want to play, grab a morning tee time, go back to bed. That scenario has been completely bastardized by bots, which are programmed to go into the T-sheets, really beat human reaction speed of refreshing a page and entering your customer info, gobble up all the available tea times, and then immediately resell them to third-party markets like Golf Now and Golf Zing and all these places where you can get tea times outside of the golf course. What the hell course. is Golf Zing? Golf Zing is like Golf Now, or at least it was, where you can go get tee times for golf courses not on the golf course website. And it's where a lot of the golf courses would dump the tee times that weren't selling. Gotcha. But now we're living in this era and the national media is caught onto it. And golf.com just put out an article where bots have completely taken over the Southern California tee time system. It's no longer just a thing to say, oh, it's impossible to get a tee time. It's quite literally impossible. And by the time you are getting a tee time, if you're not in a group where someone's booking one or you're not bribing the starter or you don't know someone in the pro shop, you're buying it from a third party site that bought it from a bot who bought it from the golf course. 
And we know, everyone knows, the more hands that touch something you are buying, the more the price goes up because everyone has to get their cut. So these tea times have never been harder to get and they've never been more expensive. Couple that with there have never been more people playing the game of golf and there's never been less golf courses because here in Southern California, they keep closing for housing and real estate and there are a lot of politics involved there. So I wanted to bring it up on this podcast simply to say that story, which has been out since 2020, gaining a lot of steam and momentum. I think we are all headed towards a dystopian future where getting on a golf course is going to be harder than ever and why something like the Gillis Group on Wednesday and a private club membership like you have at Indian Wells, those have never been more valuable. You've got it made. Yeah, and I will say this too, to your point, Mark Winstrom, who has been the starter Indian Wells for like 40 years, just an absolute legend. For the people that know, they know that as far as starters and a person who runs a tee sheet is concerned, he's the GOAT. People know that in the desert. He is the GOAT. And Indian Wells, because of him, it might be the only club in their entire network that doesn't use the online and app booking through Club Corp. He still does it the old-fashioned way. He is the dictator of the T-sheet. The reason why that's important is when you open up a T-sheet to these, even even in all fairness to you at home, refreshing the page at 11.59, that takes away from the guy who has the early morning tea time on Sunday, right? As he's checking in and he's been golfing there for 20 years, he checks in and when he checks in, he makes his time for the next week because it's a week out in advance and it's a face-to-face transaction. You have the rapport and the relationship that you've grown with the starter and the guys who work in the shop. When you lose that, you lose the whole culture of the fellowship within booking times and your relationship with the golf shop and your relationship with the starter. That's important. If Winstrom opened up Indian Wells to that app, you would have these Club Corp guys who get to play wherever they want two days a month, jump in someone's time that's pretty much set in stone for the past 15 years, which is a member who deserves that time because he's showing face and he has that relationship with the team. That's important. I think the analog way of doing tea times is much better than this digital age. And I think we're seeing firsthand right here as a perfect example why that is and why the digital side of it is perverted and not fair. We have some questions from some podcast listeners. First off, thank you to everyone that's been listening and thank you to those that have provided some very, very positive feedback. Don't want to get high on our own press, but so far we've heard nothing but good things. People are happy for this free content and we decided let's make it a little bit more interactive. Let's put out the feelers and the open lines of communication to the listeners. You can write in a question to us, nationgolfco at gmail.com. Or I put it on Instagram yesterday, ask us anything and we'll answer it on the podcast. To be honest, we got way too many to go through. We would be here all day. So I just selected some of our favorites. Let us start with a question from King Louie. And this is an interesting question. Is the Nation Derby on life support or have we pulled the plug completely? Before you answer that, the Nation Derby is a annual golf tournament, a horse race out on Catalina Island, two-man horse race, takes a 
huge lift to get there. It takes a lot of money to stay there. You don't get a lot of golf because you can get knocked out by the third hole, but it is just an absolute super fun time for all of the guys to be there, jumping from bar to bar together, playing some golf, hanging out. It just becomes, as we get older, something harder and harder to do. And we had an experience out there this past year that might make it not just hard to do, but very, very awkward and impossible to do. Every time you throw the derby, you come back saying, this was the last year, I'm never doing that again. So King Louie asked the question, is it on life support or can we look forward to it this year? We're definitely not doing it in Catalina this year and we need to find a new home for it. The first two were at the Ranch Laguna Beach at Ben Brown's golf course. Perfect setup. It's close to home. I'm going to reach out to them and see if we can't make that happen. But this year for certain will be a away game, not in Catalina. We had a great run there and, and we might be back there. I wouldn't want to say we've overstayed our welcome. We just uh, had some some issues with it. It's a big ask for us and our players to even do it there. So we're going to uh, test the waters and see if we can't throw this party somewhere else that makes a lot of sense and is still a really fun experience. And I'm looking forward to doing it. Before we move on, there's nothing I hate more in a podcast than people allude to a story that I want them to tell. So very quickly, this very this last derby in November of 2022, our group was accused of breaking a windshield of a car that was parked underneath the first tee box. The ball that was produced that broke the windshield did not match any ball that was being played from our group. And in a derby, you very clearly label your ball with your team number on it. On top of that, no one from our group was around the first tee box when this happened, but we were accused of breaking this windshield. The course, who we've had a great relationship with, kind of put it on us to figure it out. It involved an employee of a restaurant that all of our guys would go to afterwards. Things just got so weird and so awkward. Honestly, we feel like we should have never been accused of what we were accused of or had to have dealt with the phone calls that we dealt with. And that going back to Catalina one year after that happened, knowing all the same people are going to be there, it might not have the same good vibes that the island golf has always had for us. Look, dude, six years running, going there and having a very, very good rapport with a lot of people, becoming quite simply friends with a lot of people, whether it's you know the, the gals running the sand trap and the guys at, in the pro shop, to be accused of something in the fashion that they accused us and then demanding certain kinds of money and really not having an argument in rebuttal to our questions. It was definitely um, awkward and weird. If they were cool about it, I think we probably would have met in the middle and like been like, Hey, look, you know, like, but they, they tried to strong arm us and force this on us without any proof of anything. So it's like, look, dude, I was three holes away from where this happened when it supposedly happened in a place where that car's parked behind a net where all of our players are on the other side of the net. Meanwhile, there's locals teeing off on one behind our group that would could have easily sliced and hit that. It's like no one saw us do it. Why, why are you asking me to give you $1,500 for a windshield? Well, it was more than $1,500 because they started saying, because we're on an island, we have to pay to barge the car back to the mainland, get it repaired there, and then barge it back. So yeah. it was really going to be a $5,000 windshield repair for something that not only do we know in our heart of hearts we had nothing to do with, 
But if you really want to get down to brass tacks, even if we did break the windshield and we knew that we did it, the golfer is not liable for what happens to property around a golf course. Every single golf course is clearly marked when you park near a golf course that the owner of the car takes responsibility for whatever happens to the car. You're parking near a golf course. Anyway, to answer Louie's question, the Derby, we are fully intending on doing it. Hopefully at Ben Brown's, we're going to start making those phone calls soon. And while we are calling that an away game, it truly is a home game because it's 15 minutes away instead of a ferry ride away. Right. We will keep you posted on that. Next question from Boogie Bad Boy. As an Australian, what is your perception of Australian golf? First of all, pretty cool to get a question from Australia. Yeah. My perception of Australian golf, and I'll just keep it at this, is Steve Elkington. Yeah. Period. Full stop. Steve Elkington is the greatest export from the country of Australia. We love Steve. Steve loves us. Elk. Elk is the man. And he's done more for Australian golf and, quite frankly, the continent than anybody or anything has ever done. My perception of Australian golf is Elkington. Elkington's amazing. Thus, my perception of Australian golf is it's amazing. First thing that comes to my mind is like a warm version of like... Lynx golf. So I like it. Have you ever played over there? No. I I wish I wish I had. Looks killer. I love watching the Australian Open. Not that LZ asked the question, what are your top three favorite flavors of backwoods cigars? Backwoods cigars. I would go one honeyberry, two bourbon, and then three the original sweet and aromatic. Mine would be honey bourbon number one, banana number two, honeyberry number three. Banana, really? I liked it. I did. I hadn't tried it until you bought. I a didn't. Pack. I didn't feel like it. It really had much flavor, to be honest. But I guess that doesn't make it bad. So this question is for you and only you. Fitzgram asks: Perfectly empty waves or a perfectly empty golf course? I want to take a stab at answering this, despite the fact that I don't surf and don't go to the beach. I don't think a golf course being empty has any sort of implication over how much fun you can have. I think it's actually worse. Yeah. Put a group in front, behind, who cares? As long as you're playing on pace, it's great. Wouldn't it be more fun to pull up to a beach that's empty and be able to surf there by yourself? Right. So first with the golf, you know, for us, obviously it's it's the experience and the fellowship and like, you know, having people to play with. I do this all the time. I make this mistake all the time. We get out to Indian Wells in the afternoon. Not a lot of people play out there in the afternoon. And we find ourselves on 16 going, why the fuck are we going so fast? Like, I wish we would have had people in front of us so we could take our time and enjoy this because we're just rushing, 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 you know? Golf is like, you're already taking turns. As long as the play is not slow, I I don't mind that there's people out there. I don't need the place empty. But surfing, surfers are the worst people on planet Earth. Last thing I need to do is be around a bunch of surfers. So I would take empty waves any day of the week. Part of the reason why I don't surf as much as I used to is because I just can't stand these people. And that's coming from a former pro surfer and a world-renowned surfboard shaper who has spent his entire life in the industry. David KC says, thoughts on the PGA Tour event where everyone uses the same equipment and the same golf ball like a NASCAR race. Love that. Everything is equal. Love it. And it comes down to how well you golf. Blades, steel shafts, spec'd drivers, size, what have you. Let's let's see who can really golf. I don't want to ask this next question for a couple of reasons. One, I know it's going to be a super, super long story on your end that I've heard oh multiple God. times. And two, I can't participate in it. But Tyler Mancini asks, 
How many aces do you guys have, and what's the story? Tyler, I have zero, thus there is no story. I've been witness to three. It's an amazing thing to witness. Engel has three. He can recite every shot that happened before it and after it, has all the pin flags and golf balls and framed memorabilia. So go ahead. Why don't you tell us the story of your not one, not two, but three aces, and if you can, for the sake of time and my ego. I'll just tell you that, I'll just quick. tell you the first one which is which is is fun. All of them were were really good. That's why the stories are good because they were just fun unique experiences and, and at really cool places. What with, were the places? I have one at Indian Wells, one at Palmer Private in PGA Worst and one at uh Tequitz Resort Course. Taquitz, some of the locals like to call it. It's a indigenous term. So I don't really know how to pronunciate it. The uh, the first one was at Taquitz, or like I like to call Taquitz. And it was for my buddy Jason Joho's bachelor party. We were on the signature hole. It's the 17th hole. It's over water. It's a little par three, back to front, green style, you know. And there's eight of us because it's a bachelor party. And I'm teeing off and we're backed up. So all eight of us are on the tee box. And I hit this thing in the air and hits the back of the green. It sucks back a little bit. And it's just trickling, trickling, trickling. And right as the ball disappears, for my first hole in whenever, before you have one, you'll you'll get this feeling when it happens, and you probably have this feeling now. Is you wonder like, is it ever going to happen? And I would have considered myself at that time a pretty decent player. And you're just like, I don't know if I'll ever get one. They're weird. They're they're weird things to happen. I remember it went in, and the very second it went in, it was like when Happy Gilmore attacks his caddy, and he's just squeezing him by the neck on the ground. I get tackled by seven dudes, and we're just celebrating and we just tied one on that night. It was really special. And goes back to a previous question about empty golf courses. That experience wouldn't have been as good if the golf course was empty. It was no nice one would have believed me. Would have nice to have seven guys yeah. there. I remember when I told my dad that I, when I got back from that trip that weekend, I was like, dad, I got a hole in one. He's like, playing by yourself again, son. <laughs> <laughs> Always had me, you know. Never up, never, never in. Yep. Shout out to Rich Engel. What is your favorite cigar and booze combo on the golf course? This comes from Derek Owens. I love Glen Morangi 10. It's their entry-level scotch. You can get it on sale for like 30 bucks a bottle. It's a great single malt, very light. I pour that over ice, kind of in a tumbler, let it dilute, marinate, and just sip that. And it's just, it's epic because you're getting a cool firm buzz, but you're not needing copious amounts of liquid, like 10 beers and peeing all the time, you know, and there's nothing in it. There's no soda. There's no sugar. There's no nothing like that. It's a very, very mature and smooth way of maintaining the longevity needed of a good golf buzz. And then I combo that with a punch champion Classico cigar. Just love that smoke. Just has enough bite, but not enough to where you're getting a head change on the golf course. Nothing worse than golfing with a cigar that really knocks you on your ass. I do like a cigar that knocks me on my ass, but that's after the round when I'm sitting on my ass. I like a Bloody Mary extra spicy and a acid Cuba Cuba cigar. Those have some sweetness to them. They're big, they're round, 
They're, they're good. Fat. They last forever. And they're, they're expensive. They're they're very expensive. About seventeen dollars a stick, depending on where you go. But that's a great smoke. Great we, logo too. Guy on a street bike in a hologram. It's a terrible logo. They need it. <laughs> Drew Estate needs to do something about that. Yeah, hire me, dude. But there's nothing I like better than taking that logo right off before I light it up. Yeah. The reason I like the Bloody Mary is because you know you're playing in the morning. You know that's that true. You're out there early. Your breakfast is liquid and it's alcoholic, and there's just something about a Bloody Mary and an acid Cuba that does it big shout out to golf for always giving us an excuse to drink early and drive yeah (laughs) two questions left and these ones are from people that we really really know from your wife katie kai who do you think is the best looking pga tour player right now and i think we should answer this on the count of three best looking like what wait wait a second is that like She's trolling us. Like, who's the most handsome? I changed Or, it. like, dressed nice? Like, she what said, is this question? She said, who's the hottest guy on tour? Hottest guy on tour. And, and I changed it to best looking. Wow. Almost got away with it until you made me explain it. Now, I want to answer this on the count of three to see if we have the same answer, okay? Oh One. God. I don't even, I don't know. Two, I don't know what I'm going to say. Three. Patton Kazar. <laughs> God, I should have seen that coming. Yep. I agree. Patton Kazar. And the final question comes from Adam H. in Fullerton. Ooh, downtown Fully. Shout out. What are your thoughts on Ryan Seacrest taking over as the host of Wheel of Fortune? (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Seacrest is such a dork, dude. How does this guy even have a job? Next on American Idol. It's like, get out of here, dude. Did you ever watch Wheel or Jeopardy growing up? Because those those are staples in my house. Well, yeah. When you're a kid in the late 80s, early 90s, and you're faking sick, staying home from school, you watch all those reruns all day long because they play them during the middle of the day too, like the old ones, you know? And so that's when you watch them. For me, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, as a kid, you liked Wheel better because any idiot can play yeah. it. And as an adult, you like Jeopardy better because you start to know the answers. What's interesting is that these iconic American television game show host alex trebek rest in peace no longer with us and i know that jeopardy is american and he's canadian but alex trebek is gone now pat sajak is gone vanna white's still there vanna white is going to be there with seacrest and that's going to be an awkward walkout because as you know when the curtain comes up sajak walks out arm in arm with vanna they look like they've been work wife and husband forever Seacrest going arm in arm with Vanna coming out. It's just, well, I think Vanna's got Seacrest by about four inches, yeah? Yeah, probably. Especially with heels on. Probably. What I a little a, weasel of a man that guy is. I, okay, you know, I don't know him personally. I do have a Ryan Seacrest story. It's not a great story by any means. Most of your stories aren't very great. Thank you. In 2019, Jim Rome, who I worked for at the time, was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. <laughs> And he went, go ahead. No, that's it. No, I want to hear more. (laughs) Crack myself up on that one. Jim Rome went into the Hall of Fame with Ryan Seacrest in the same class. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, couldn't have happened to two smaller guys. That was Ryan's voice, not mine. (laughs) They're cute little guys. They got in together, you know. Jim Rome went in with Ryan Seacrest. And I got to go to New York and meet Seacrest. Very nice guy. Jimmy Fallon was the one that inducted him. He gave the speech beforehand. So pretty star-studded. But before the event, Ryan Seacrest sent to Jim a giant picture of the invitation to the Hall of Fame and 
put a nice personal note on it that said, Jim, I'm so excited to see you in New York. Congratulations on getting in. Honored to be your classmate, signed Ryan Seacrest. I will say this, that is a very nice gentleman class act thing to do. And so while I don't know Seacrest and don't care that he's hosting Wheel of Fortune, my one kind of ancillary story of him is kind of a nice guy, kind of a class act. So being the one of the guys on American Idol, that's what got him the... No, he hosts and has hosted a radio show here in Los Angeles for two decades. He is a very well-known radio host. He got his start in radio. Wow. Okay. Do you know who John Tesh is? No. He wrote Round Ball Rock, which was the NBA on NBC theme music during the Michael... What about him? He also is a radio host, and he was part of the Ryan Seacrest Jim Rome class that went in that year. And his wife was his induction speaker, and everyone was given very specific instructions that they can only talk for three minutes because you got to keep the show going. And she went over three minutes, and they played her off the stage. And it was awkward and it was abrupt because she was in the middle of talking about John Tesh beating cancer. And when John Tesh came up to receive his award, he told the entire room, you took a wonderful night for me that I was excited for and traveled a long way to be here. And you ruined it by disrespecting my wife, walked off the stage, left his award there. That's fucking sick. How sick is that? What a G. John Tesh. Big shout out to John Tesh. Big shout out to you, the listener. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Fellowship. Get in touch with us, nationgolfco at gmail.com, or send us a DM on Instagram. Thank you for the questions. They were great. We will see you next time. Bye.